1: Hi, everyone. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 3rd of May 2022, and the Reserve Bank has lifted the official cash rate for the first time since November 2010, an increase of 25 basis points to 0.35%. It means someone with a $500,000 mortgage over 25 years will see their repayments increase by $65 a month. Now, If that rate increases to 2%, and assuming the banks pass that on in full, that'll increase that mortgage, that $500,000 mortgage, to $511 repayment per month. That's the increase. So for more about the implications, the good and the bad, I spoke earlier with Warren Hogan. He's a chief economist at Judo Bank.
2: Well, the economy's recovered strongly from the pandemic. In fact, so strongly, uh, we're creating inflation. We're, we're, we're outgrowing the economy. We're running out of labor. And on top of a global inflation shock as well, higher prices from overseas, um, they're having to respond to those risks of inflation. They, the, the cost of living pressures we're seeing right now in Australia, there's not a lot we can do with it today to deal with the cost of living pressures that are there today. But what we can do is ensure that they don't persist in the next year or get worse. And that's what this rate hike today was all about, is taking some of those inflation risks out of the economy in 2023 and beyond.
1: How high do you think official interest rates will eventually go?
2: I think they'll go to 1.5 percent this year. And I think they're forming up that as sort of strategic first phase of this tightening cycle, of this process of normalising interest rates the market is telling us that the cash rate actually is going to go to about 3% early next year. And I think that's a pretty good uh, indication of where I think the RBA will end up, but I think it'll take them two or three years. So I think they'll go to 1.5 by the end of this year, then they'll pause, they'll monitor the economy, they'll reassess, and then they'll start another phase mid to late next year. That'll take us into 2024, where the cash rate will finish up at around 3 which will take the mortgage rate up to around 5%. Can borrowers
1: afford these rate rises?
2: They, they can. The vulnerability in the, in the market is always going to be in the first-home buyer segments um, in the recent past. So first-home buyers in the last year or so uh, are the ones who have got the most debt, have the highest um, loans compared to the value of the property, and are often running their income levels Um, or running their mortgage repayments a lot higher of their income uh, because they're young typically and they're going to get promotions and wage increases. So they're taking a bit of risk early and I think that's where the stress will be. Now, I don't think that stress will be broad-based. I think most people are sensible. The banks have been told they have to put a 2.5% buffer in when they assess mortgage affordability and that was increased to 3% uh yes last year but there will be examples uh, and people are going to need to make an assessment of the affordability of a mortgage for them on the basis that interest rates are probably going to go up at least two percent maybe three percent and that's probably the average level of interest rates now for the next five years they might go a bit higher a bit lower but we're going back to normal and normal is two or three percentage points higher than where it is
1: now. On the flip side, for savers and retirees, will, will the, these impending rate rises make a difference?
2: A big difference. And I think this is an underappreciated and under talked about element of monetary policy. There is about $1.3 trillion of savings in this country that are in transactions accounts, savings accounts, and term deposits. And if the interest on those accounts goes up 1%, which it looks like it will, That adds over $10 billion of income into the economy. So it's great for those individuals. And look, they may save that money because they are typically retirees or people saving for retirement. But it is the positive element of high rates. Uh, We focus very much on the the higher cost for for borrowers, for, for mortgage holders. But there is a positive element coming through savers. And there's more savings in the Australian economy than ever before. And we've had a record increase in savings through the pandemic because of the government stimulus payments and various other initiatives. And that's one of the uncertain elements of this environment we're in. And unfortunately, it suggests that the risk is that they have to do more rate hikes rather than less, because the balance between uh, the effect on borrowers versus the effect on savers may be a little bit more tilted towards savers this time around.
1: Can we just look back very briefly on what the economy was like? the last time the Reserve Bank lifted official interest rates?
2: It was 10 years ago, we had successfully navigated the GFC, we are in a recovery phase, and the interesting feature of our economy then was this mining investment boom. It was dragging workers out of every other sector, it was mainly happening obviously in WA Queensland, but it was happening across the country. But it was creating a very similar economic environment that is uh, strong demand. And it was also an area and it was also a period when interest rates were below normal and it was a process of trying to get them back to normal. And of course, it, it slowed the housing market down a little bit, but didn't derail it. We it went on soon after to have a big boom in housing between 2013 and 2016. And of course, the labor market was reasonably strong through that period, unemployment wasn't as low as it is now but it remained pretty stable so these rate hikes an important element of what we're seeing now is that it's actually not creating tight monetary policy it's reducing stimulus so we're taking rates from very low levels back to normal we're not taking them up to a high level like say the 1980s or 2007 or the late 1990s so it's a very different environment Uh, to what people would characterize as a a traditional tightening cycle. And therefore, it shouldn't derail the economy. It will have impacts on various sectors, on the housing market, particularly first-time buyers, this sort of thing. But it shouldn't derail the overall economic recovery.
1: Warren Hogan there from Judo Bank. Now, the Australian share market fell today. The S&P ASX 200, 7,162. That's down 0.4% for the share market implications of today's RBA decision. I spoke earlier to Scott
0: Phillips from the Motley Fool. Ricardo, it was a surprise to the market. The currency jumped higher. The ASX jumped lower. The market seemed to have been caught wrong-footed. You wouldn't think the difference of 0.1% was that big a deal. Seems like the market thought otherwise.
1: What do higher interest rates mean for investments? Because it's not just here where rates are now finally
0: rising. They've been rising around the world for for, uh, quite some time now. Yeah, the Americans have been putting rates up in the UK and New Zealand. We are somewhat late to the party and we've seen already on global and local stock markets the impact on growth stocks, tech stocks in particular, where investors are less keen to wait longer periods of time for the profits to finally come. When all of a sudden you've got to pay some interest or get some interest on your money, it makes that decision much, much more difficult. And we've seen a big rotation from growth to value. Whether that remains the case in the fullness of time is an open question. But right now, investors going for the certainty of cash. So interest rates are basically rising because we're seeing inflation surging,
1: right? Woolworths reported today, any news out of that company about what's happening
0: with the rising cost of food? Yeah, the Woolworths results were interesting. Sales up five point seven percent, but a full half of that was price increases. So effectively call it 3% volume growth, the number of groceries we bought, and 3% higher prices on the things we purchased. That's the real key number here. 3% volume growth, not unusual. Pretty average for Coles and Woolies, pretty average for the grocery market in general. But it's that 3% increase in prices, mirroring Coles 3.3% this time last week, really does go to show the way inflation is hitting the hip pocket of the average Australian, as well as the places that we shop.
1: Okay. On the flip side, you've got the likes of GrainCorp, which
0: provides food right at record highs. It's good to be a commodity provider right now, particularly wheat, but also iron ore, oil, coal. We've seen it right across the board. And GrainCorp doing very, very well simply because we've had a bumper harvest and global prices are very high. Of course, we know Russia and Ukraine in particular key exporters usually of wheat, and the unfortunate war over there really is putting a dent in wheat supplies, therefore good for our farmers pushing prices up. You don't like to profit from others' misfortune, but this time around it is GrainCorp and our farmers more broadly who are doing well. Just finally, and unrelated to interest
1: rates, can we talk about the future of AGL Energy? Mike Cannon-Brooks, that's the co-founder of Atlassian, creeping up on the register of the of the power and energy com- company.
0: What do you make of it? Yeah, now the single largest shareholder with 11.3% of the company. He says other big investors are behind his push to keep the company together, not demerge it. You do wonder where those big investors were before Cannon Brooks bought his stake, of course. Remains to be seen how many votes he can pull together. And it's really hard to understand his motivation. Is it purely economic? Is it purely climate or somewhere in between? He seems to believe AGL is more valuable to him as a shareholder and also a better climate outcome by being kept together as a single company. He's putting money where his mouth is. Either it's a really, really big charitable donation or he's hoping to get a return on it or maybe some more in between, it is a fascinating story, and I dare say we haven't yet seen the end of it. Scott Phillips, there from the Motley Fool. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.